Good morning, Calvary. How are you guys doing today? Thank you, worship team, for leading us in the presence of God this morning. Thank you, um, Calvary, uh, for allowing me to bring God's word for you guys this morning. Uh, It's really an honor to be standing before you delivering God's word and what he's about to speak to us today. I remember many, many, many years ago when Calvary decided to, to remodel this place, this sanctuary, I was given a sledgehammer and my assignment was to break down the wall on this side. And I was like, wow, I don't know if I could do it. But praise God, the next day, Calvary decided to just hire a bulldozer and do the demolition. So it's really an honor to be bringing God's word for you guys uh, this morning. And as we continue in the sermon series in the book of James, chapter 2, beginning in verse 20 to 24, allow me to read the word of God for you this morning. In the book of James, chapter 2, beginning in verse 20, all the way down to verse 24. And the Word of God says, Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the the Scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. May the Lord God add the blessing for the reading of his word. There was a story of a man. He went to a coffee shop um, with his Bible, and he began to read his Bible. As he began to read his Bible, he started highlighting uh, a lot of verses and passages as he he goes along. And then a guy walks behind him and asks, Boy, are those your favorite passages in the Scripture? Are those your life verses? And he turns to the man and he said, Boy, you're wrong. These are the words that I don't agree with. These are the words that I don't like in the Bible. Oftentimes that story is told as sort of an icebreaker in the sermon, but there is truth and reality to that story. Because in all honesty, there are some passages in the Bible that are hard to hear. Not because they're difficult to understand, but because they are difficult to accept. They are difficult to hear. There are passages and teachings from the Bible that penetrates the very deep core of our hearts. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the Word of God says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to divisions of souls and of spirits, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. 
But as we accept the promises of God in His Word, we must also accept the correcting passages, the rebuking passages, those passages that reveal the very core of our heart. And Paul tells us, uh, his young Timothy, the, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all scripture is, is given by God, is breathed by God, and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And this is what James is doing here as he was writing to the early church. As he was encouraging them in chapter 1 to persevere under trials, to count it all joy when you're facing trials. And at the same time, in the passage that we're looking at, he is correcting them in the way their faith is being lived out. That he's asking them. In fact, he's piercing their heart, opening their eyes to see how their faith in God is being lived out in their community. And the underlying or the foundational teachings of James is faith that is evident, faith that is visible, faith that is seen by man. And before we dive in into our passage this morning, we need to settle some issues first. Now, the Bible teaches us that we are saved by grace alone, that no one can work for heaven. That no one can work for the grace of God. You cannot work your way out to heaven. It is only by the grace of God, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, that, that for by grace, you and I have been saved through faith. It is not on our own doing. It is the gift of God. And verse 9 says, not, for, not results of works, that no one may boast. And what James is emphasizing is the aftermath of your salvation. What happens when God saved us? When God gave us his grace, what happens to us? And what James is trying to teach us this morning is the aftermath of our salvation. The evidence of the saving grace of Jesus Christ seen through works. And we will define what that works is all about in a moment. In our passage today, we see two comparisons or two types of people, the foolish person and the friend of God. And if this was a multiple choice, my choice will be to be a friend of God, right? I'm not going to ask who wants to be choice number one. Nobody. We all want to be a friend of God. And that's what we see here. And again, James does not hold back when, in his writing. The challenge that he issues to the 12 tribes that has been dispersed throughout the land. And look at verse 20. He says, do you want to be shown? Or he says, do you want me to prove you wrong? It's a continuation of what he's saying in verse 18, where he, he, he challenges them to look at their life and to look at their faith if there is an evidence of that in their life. And look at two, two of the negative words that he uses, the word foolish and the word useless in verse 20. 
And if you're looking at this in the King James Version, the word foolish or the word vain in the Greek word kinos, meaning empty. That there's an empty of their knowledge of God and His will. It's empty. And in the word useless, it uses the word dead or lifeless. And as you see and hear those two words, James is issuing a stern challenge to his readers that the seriousness, the seriousness of faith being lived out, there is seriousness in how we live our lives as believers, as those who have been saved by grace. The seriousness of faith being evident by the works of those who have been saved by grace. And what is this work that James is talking about here? Are these good deeds? Good actions, good deeds? It is. But it's not just any other good deeds. It is not just any other good needs. It is the works or it is a good deed that is connected from a life that has been changed by God's grace. The works that, is, that James is talking about is not just any other good works. It is works that is connected from the very heart of a someone or a person that has been changed by God's grace. I remember driving many, many months ago. I believe it was a four or five going south. I exited the freeway. And to my left side, I noticed a man living on the street being helped by a person. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And then I noticed on the corner of my eye that there is a guy filming the whole thing. And I, thought my, I asked myself a question, what is the point of that? Was that good deed based upon maybe a clicks or views or whatever, or subscription, or is it really coming from the heart? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And the idea and the principle behind the pure heart in, in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, is someone who does things with the right motive. Someone who has the right intention of, what they, of the reason they do the, what they do. Is it coming from the core of your heart that has been changed by the grace of God? Or is it being done out of selfish ambition or a hidden agenda? That the good deeds or the works that is being produced by Christians is an automatic response of a lifestyle that is anchored from the heart where Jesus is living. Where Jesus is living. Because you and I, if you are saved by grace, you and I are a new creation, Paul says. A new person. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but who? Jesus. Christ liveth in me. This is a change of life that, is, that, is produced, that produces good works. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, again, Paul says, For, our, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for 
good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Real quick, right? Look at that passage beforehand that God destined us and created us for good works and that we are required to walk in them, to live that out because we have been saved by grace. That the life in Christ produces good work, which is part of our lives. And as believers and Christians, that is something that comes automatically from our hearts. So he says, a foolish person is someone who says, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, I have faith. But there's no evidence. There's no change that is happening in that person's life. There's no fruit that is being uh, produced, the fruit of the Spirit not being produced in that person's life. Their, Their life is empty of such things. And the next type he is depicting is this friend of God, which he uses Abraham as an example. In verses 21, 22, and 23. And what does he say about Abraham here? First he says that he, that he is our father. That Abraham is the patriarch of the Israelites. And as he was writing to the Israelites here, he connects the Old Testament, to what Jesus brings about in the New Testament. Then he says in verse 22, he says, you see that faith was active along with his work and faith was completed by his work. The word active, when you look at the Greek word synergeo, which sounds the same as the word synergy, which means There is a cooperation of two matters or two things or there is a union of two substances. That there is cooperation between being made righteous by God and the good work that is being produced by it. Again, there is this synergy or this cooperation or this union between being saved by God, being forgiven by sin, being pardoned by, uh, by God and the works that is being produced. That cannot be one or the other. That has to be as one. And as believer, it has an automatic response. It is a product or is a, it being produced in our lives. These two go hand in hand. We can say the word salvation and obedience go hand in hand. Salvation and obedience. And this is what we are seeing here as James cites the example of Abraham. That he was made righteous by God. And this is what Jesus does to us. When Jesus comes into our hearts, into our lives, God makes us righteous before him. That we are now made right before the Almighty God. 
And Abraham was proclaimed righteous, not because, if you're familiar with the story, not because he was willing to sacrifice Isaac, his only son. He was not made righteous by God because he was willing and, and, and wanted to sacrifice his son as God instructs him to. And we see that in Genesis chapter 22, the story of, of Abraham offering Isaac as a sacrifice. And Isaac was this long-awaited promise of God to Abraham and Sarah, where, where the promise of, of being the father of nation. And then when Isaac was a teenager, God told him to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. Not because God is into that, but he wanted to know if Abraham's faith is activated. If his faith has evidence. If there is proof. If there is a visible proof of his faith before God. Through his obedience. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 12, this is where we find the covenant promise that God gives to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, God tells him, I will make you of a great nation. It doesn't make sense if God is asking Abraham to offer Isaac to give to him as, as a living sacrifice. doesn't make sense. Nor the task is, and the task is hard to do. But yet Abraham remained faithful, and faith was seen through his obedience, in spite of this difficult task that is being asked of him to do. And of course, the story does not end there with the sacrifice of Isaac. God stopped him and provided a ram, an animal sacrifice instead. And what a title, right? What a title. Abram was given the title, the friend of God, the friend of Yahweh. And like I mentioned, Abram was not made right or that he was made righteous or that he was justified because he was willing to give up his son. Because remember, works does not save us. Good deeds does not make us righteous. Before God. Doesn't matter how much good works you do. Right? You cannot take all your good works and use it as a bargaining chip before God when you stand before Him and says, God, look, I got two bags full of good works. Is that enough? And a guy will go, Well, I have three bags. Right? You cannot use good works as a bargaining chip to get your. To, to put your foot into heaven. It is only through the grace and mercy, forgiveness and love of God in Jesus Christ that you and I are able to go to heaven. And Abraham was proclaimed, proclaimed righteous by God, not because of his good deeds, but because of God and God alone. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Talks about Abraham. And it says, and he believed, and he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. 
This is a friend of God. Someone who was made right by God through the shedding of the blood of Jesus. He was justified. His sins are forgiven. Now living by faith with evidence of obedience. Let me ask you a difficult question. Which are we? Which are we? And I'll let you ponder that for a moment. And as and let me live it live you with three life principles as you take it take home, as you ponder this passage throughout this week. Let me give you three life principles or life application based upon this question. What does it mean to live out my faith? What does it mean to be faithful in God? And based on our passage in James chapter 2, verse 20 to 24, number one, to live out my faith is to obey the word of God. In James chapter 1, verse 22, he says, Be doers of the word, not just hear only. Do them. Apply them. Let the word of God be visible in your life. Because when you look at Matthew, he talks, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. If your faith is, does not come out or is not reflected upon your life, then how can we be light for Christ and how can we be salt for Jesus? And again, James chapter 1, verse 22, he says, Be doers of God's word, not just hearers. And in Matthew chapter 7, at the end of the Sermon of the Mount that began in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, When you look at the passage in Matthew chapter 7, at the end of that chapter, in verse 24 to 27, there is a a story Jesus tells of a man who who built his house upon a rock. And this person built his house on rock, and he had a strong foundation. And Jesus says, those who obey, who hears my word, who hears the Sermon on the Mount and applies them, he is that person who builds a strong foundation in his life that can never be shaken, that can never be moved. He's a person who obeys the Word of God. And being obedient to God is not just doing things that are easy, but also the things that are difficult. Again, being obedient to God is not just doing things that are easy for us, but also the ones that are difficult. And for parents, do this to your children. Give them an easy, easy task. And when every time you give them a difficult task, you say, being obedient is not just doing the things that are easy. And in the same manner with God, God does not just give us easy things to do, but difficult ones. 
but our attitude as a believer that there is no if, no buts, no coconuts in, when it comes to the obedience or to the word of God. When we highlight our Bibles, we're not highlighting them because we do not agree with those passages. We are highlighting those passages because we want those passages to live within our hearts and to be in our lives. To live up my faith is to obey the word of God. Number two, to live up my faith is to do the will of God. This is similar to point number one. But I just want to emphasize the word, the will of God. The will of God. Because at times, God's will is the total opposite of our own will and our own plans. To live out my faith will oftentimes ask us to let go of our plans and let God's plan come to fulfillment. That's what it means to live by faith. That his plans might be different than ours, but we are willing to let that go and let his plans take us. Let his plans lead us. Let his plans direct us. Because we trust him that at the end of the day, God will never fail us. At the end of the day, all things will work out for the good. Do you believe that? And this is the heart of, of, of Jesus, the very heart of Jesus Christ. John 6, verse 38, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the one who sent me. And you know that task is not easy, because Christ would, would eventually be crucified on the cross. Right? And in John 4, verse 34, my food is to do my Father's will and to accomplish it, to finish it. To live out my faith is to do the will of God. Lastly, number three, to live out my faith is to fulfill the purpose of God. Have you ever asked yourself, what is my purpose in life? What is my purpose in this world. Simple answer to that question. To glorify God, to glorify his name by loving him with all our hearts, minds, and body, and by loving others the same way. What is the purpose for me here on earth? To glorify God to exalt his name, the lift of his name and his holy name by loving him with all our hearts, minds, and soul and by doing the same thing to others, by loving them the way Christ loves me. What does it mean to live up my faith? To obey God's word, to do his will, and to fulfill his purpose while we are here on earth. Let me pray for you, church. Father God, we thank you for bringing us your word this morning. I know there are times when we read the Bible, there are difficult passages in the Bible, Lord God, because it, it perks our heart. It, 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 
It opens our hearts. You look. Father God, we ask that you will be merciful and gracious, forgiving always of our shortcomings. Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to fill our hearts today so that we can live out our faith before man, so that your name will be glorified, so that we can be witnesses for you and of your love to those around us, to this community, to our friends, to our neighbors, co-workers, schoolmates, that we can truly be used by you to proclaim the gospel through our lives, Lord God. Help us to live out our faith by obeying your word, by doing your will, and by fulfilling your purpose for us here. So we thank you, Lord God, in this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church.